So we're going to uh, read this morning from uh, Matthew uh, chapter 13, and we're going to read from verse 44. The parable of hidden treasure. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and then covered up. And then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding the one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. And again, Jesus went on, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. And when it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw the bad fish away. And so it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come, come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. And in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood these things? Jesus said to them. And they replied, yeah. And then he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out, brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. I read these verses the other day and I thought, I, I don't think I've ever heard a sermon on, on these last few verses. And I've, I, I don't think I've ever really engaged with them properly. And this is what the, the, those last two verses in the New Living Translation, that was the ESV I read, the NLT version says this. Then Jesus added, Every teacher of religious law who becomes a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like a homeowner who brings from his storeroom new new gems of truth as well as old. And the message version says this. Then Jesus said, Do you see how every student who is well trained in God's kingdom is like the owner of a general store who can put his hand on anything you need, old or new, exactly when you need it? Well, we're going to look at those few verses, but before we go there, I just need to let you know, yesterday uh, we had planned a big Hampton family day in Stratford-upon-Avon. Yeah, it was very, very nice. And uh, we were going to get there, my three sisters, I've got three uh, older sisters, which probably you might realise that explains quite a lot about me, um, <laughs> profoundly bullied as a child all the time, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so we were going to meet together and we try and do it and we try and we meet in Stratford-on-Avon because that's where our family home was and we meet there, we go to some park and we have a massive picnic and we play rounders and we all pretend, last time we did it I sort of like pulled my hamstring pretending I was still sort of like, you know, 20 or something like that. But we have this great game of rounders and we reminisce and we tell all the old stories, all, all the old jokes come out again, you know, and we... We pretend we're kids again and we sort of like, we talk about our parents and all of those sorts of things. And it's just quite good fun. But the thing, the interesting thing is that that group of people is, you know, over the years it gets bigger. Because it's not only like me and my three sisters, but we now have sort of, you know, all their children. So all my nieces and nephews and, you know, all my kids, see all their cousins. And, but now we've got all the other children, they're having children. And then you, not only do they have children, but then we see, I remember when I first saw my nieces. Uh, boyfriend for the first time. I thought, oh, okay, it's great. Okay. But you just, all these new people are coming in and then they have babies. And the most thing that is most frustrating of all is one of my nieces has a baby called Flynn. And how old is Flynn? About nine months. About nine months. I have not held him yet. And I'm gutted. 
I'm really, really gutted. But there's this thing about that. We had to cancel. We had to postpone that day because it was raining. Because there's no way we can actually go to all fit in. So we have to be outside. So it was raining. So we postponed it. We'll have to do it another day uh, this summer. But the thing that I love about those days is it's a mixture of new and old. All our family history coming together. And then all these new people coming in and being added in. And I love it. It is very, very good. And this morning, what I want to do is I I want to use these verses to just help us navigate a little bit about what what God is doing in our midst now. Some of the old stuff that we've known for years and years. But what is the new thing that God is doing in our midst? Because I think in the last 18 months or so, since we've been in this whole sort of like pandemic, it's been really unusual. But I feel that God is like resetting us a little bit as a church. We've had time to reflect and think, oh, what is it that we're really doing? And, and we've come back to some of the original promises that God gave us as a church. And it's quite good to come back, to come back to like those old promises and then say, well, God, how are you going to do it now in a new way? So the question when you ask these verses, when you ask, when you read a parable like this, you have to say, what is it that Jesus is saying? And what is it that Jesus is saying specifically to us here today? I, th- I think what is, what, it was, what is Jesus saying is this, that Matthew's gospel is rooted in trying to bring the Old Testament and the new promises together. All the promises that God gave to Israel and all the promises that, that God spoke and he chose a people. And, but he's now saying, no, but there is something new that is happening. And it's, it's the new sort of like kingdom of God that Jesus brought in. You know, he said, no longer is it just going to be about keeping your laws and doing the right thing. But now Jesus is saying, no, the kingdom of God is coming. It's about trusting in me. There's a new way. There's a new promise. There's a new covenant. There's a new testament. And what Jesus is saying is this, that everything that you've understood about about the kingdom of God up to this point, all the promises, they are all still true. But I'm going to do something fresh and new in your midst. It's not just going to be about obeying the law any longer, but it's about loving me, following me, and being obedient to me, says Jesus. And you know, it's a massive shift. It's a massive, a whole new shift. In fact, the whole, it's the pivotal moment in the history of the world. You know, I saw the Chinese leader on, on telly the other day, and he was saying, you know, no country will ever sort of like interfere with Chinese policy and all those sorts of things. And, and as a nation, they, they've totally denied the existence of God. But the funny thing is that they still call it the year 2020. You know, it's still this pivotal moment when Jesus was born. It's the sort of like, it is the central point in history when Jesus brought in this new kingdom. The old promises still stand, but God brought in something new. And I think that God often has a habit of doing new things in our life that incorporates our past. You know, you might be sitting there thinking, God, why did that happen to me? Why did that situation happen? Why did you allow me to go through that situation? Why did I have that pain and anguish and hurt? Well, I don't know, if I'm honest. I can't give you the answer. 
But what I do know is that the fire of the Holy Spirit is here now to burn new purpose. (laughs) To bring new purpose to everything that you have been through, whether for good or for ill. You know, that, that Satan might have meant it for ill, but God is here now. He's bringing new purpose and the fire of the Holy Spirit will fall on us. The fire of the Spirit will fall on us, even today. And you know, like, I don't know if you, you know, but a lot of like, philosophies and religions will say that the world is just going like, round in a circle. You know, if you're really bad, next time you'll come back as a frog or, you know, or whatever it is, I don't know. But it just goes round and round and round and round. But it's not true. All of history is going in a straight line towards a particular goal. And that moment is the arrival of Jesus. Jesus, when he first came, he started that process of final judgment. And it's all going towards that end moment when Jesus will come back again to judge the living and the dead. I often wonder, I don't know if you know what it would be like. I sometimes wonder, I could be like standing in Tesco's, you know, doing all sort of like shopping. Not that I'd go to Tesco's to do the shopping, obviously. But if I was there, you just think, and you suddenly hear this, like this trumpet sound, and you think, what is that? And then you see people falling to their knees. Christ has returned. It will happen. There will come a day when Jesus will return. And all of history is leading towards that point. We are going very quickly towards that point in a straight line. We're not just going round and round. There will come a point, the glorious return of Jesus. And Jesus will sort those out. That's what one of those, the the net, it talks about this net. People, the, the angels will sort those people out. You know, they will sort the people out who've been swept off their feet by Jesus and count it as the biggest joy in the world to worship him or those who've resisted and rejected him. There will come that moment. But I believe that now God is longing to break out in a new way. I don't know if you know, but throughout history, God always likes to break out. I think that, that key moment when when Jesus was born, the kingdom of God was inaugurated. This was the great moment of Christ coming. But throughout history, God still loves to break out in new ways, all the time. You think about people in history, people like the Moravians. You think about Pentecostalism. You think about what happened in Azusa Street that birthed the Pentecostal church. You think about charismatic renewal. You think about, there was a time when I, there was a, a church over in America called Pensacola in Brownville. And that you just thought, oh, there was this revival going on. And hundreds of people. And then I was in a bookshop with some guy. I was doing youth work. And this guy was a youth worker as well. And he said, have you heard about this thing? And I said, yeah, I've heard about it as well. And we looked about each other and we thought, should we just go? And we went. We just flew. We, we, we planned it. But then myself and this guy, Steve Whiffin, we just went off to Pensacola. And we queued for hours and hours and hours in this car park to get into these meetings because I thought, I want to be in the presence of God. I want to be able to say, when I'm really ancient and far older than I am, I've been in the place of revival. And it birthed something in me that God does new things in our midst. And God wants to do new things in our midst. You know, I don't know if any of you know about, there was this like, thing called the Toronto Blessing. You know, and you think, <laughs> it was like madness. Because we were in a ch- I was in a church in, in Wimbledon, and then we, we had this meeting, and, and, um, and then this, 
this girl said, was like she said, everyone was starting to go home. She said, I feel God's doing something. And then the pastor, who was a guy called Norman, came and said, Andrea, tell us, what, what, what is happening? And it was like this. And she said, I can just see heaven breaking out in our midst. And then, uh, trust me, the service had started. People were beginning to want, it was an evening meeting. People wanted to go home. And, the thing, and people started to go home. But do you know what? <laughs> Within an hour, people were coming back. They were coming back to church. And they think, but hang about, you've got work tomorrow. But there was, I don't know what, but some, God just stirred it. And I don't know how long it went, but for how long was it that we had a meeting like every day? Months and months and every day. Because we just could not get enough of the presence of the, of the living God. And I think, honour God, beware. Beware, God wants to stir us. And there's, he has this habit of doing something new. Of stirring us for fresh passion. And, and then when, when Steve, uh, Teb came and, he, you know, Steve, Steve, Teb was preaching last Sunday. And he talked about this whole thing. He said, no, God has got, he's doing something new in the church here. And then he said, he talked about the, the wise and the foolish bridesmaids. You know, and the, the foolish bridesmaids who didn't have enough oil in their lamp to burn through the night. They were waiting for the wedding party to come. And then they ran out of oil, and, and then they said, oh, but the, the groom, he's coming. And it was that the wise bridesmaids had enough oil, and their lamp kept burning. And Steve was saying, no, no, come and, come and buy oil now. Come and be in the presence of Jesus now, because God is doing a new thing. You know, and, and then on Thursday, we had an encounter night in here. It was like an hour and three quarters we, all we did was worship. That's all we did. And do you know what? I think that birthed something that came fresh in me again because you think, no, all I want to be is in the presence of Jesus. And when that happens, new things take place. It was really interesting. Jerry, can, can I just share what you said in the prayer meeting? You don't know what I'm going to share, but anyway, I'm going to say it anyway. Because... But we met the following morning you know, for a prayer meeting, as we've always done, as, we, as we've done for like nearly 20 years, every Friday morning at 6 or 6.30. And then we, we came into this place, and then Jerry was saying, oh, we, yeah, there's all these sorts of things that are going on and in work life and things like that. But who can stop the King of Kings? <laughs> who can, when the King of Kings is on the move, who can, nobody, nobody. And, and I thought, oh, I, I, I suppose what I'm trying to, Say this morning, let's get caught up and let's have the eyes of faith to see what God is doing in our midst. And sometimes when God does new things, like sometimes we don't almost want to catch, get caught up in it because it's more comfortable what, what God has been doing. But when the wave of God comes, let's position ourselves well. Uh, years and years ago, God spoke to us about a church, as a church about planting, growing, and encouraging churches in North London, Europe, and beyond. And I just need to let you know, we've, we've planted a few churches, but I think to plant like two churches every 15 years isn't exactly what God had in mind. <laughs> that's, that's not really what he had in mind. He had in mind something far greater that would impact North London. And I think he's just starting something afresh within us. And he's going to do it in a way, let me know, let, let me just let you know that 
God is going to do something like this in a way that he, only he can take the credit. If it was up to us, we would have a big map and we'd strategically say, well, we'll plant there and we'll decide and then we'll allocate people. And, we'll, and you think, no. Because what happened, like, for example, at the prayer meeting on Friday morning, well, we start, when we started saying God wanted us to plant, grow and encourage churches, Clive Sharp came. We connected with Clive. And he's a good friend, you know? And he was preaching here a couple of weeks ago. We do most things together. We do all our planning and admin. Clive is flying. But he was, already to, he was ready to give up. He, he just couldn't carry on. But he's, and he's doing that just simply because we're together. We're working together. He's just like, he's not on his own. And then when Clive, then Clive came in our midst, and then Clive started talking about a, a group of people over in Basildon. He, so he's connected with people in Basildon. So he, Clive is now getting ready to plant this group of about 30 people in Basildon as a church. Are we doing it? Well, no, we're not doing it. We can't take the credit for it. Trust me, we can't. But what we did is that we've encouraged one church and they're encouraging another church and then it's multiplying. And then guess what happened? Then that church then spoke to another guy called Paul, who's in a church in Upminster, and he said, oh, can I come and be part of it as well? And think, well, of course you can. That's what God's called us to do. Can we take the credit for that? No, of course we can't. It's not, but what we're doing is we're just catching what God is doing and saying, come, Lord, and do something afresh. And the other thing that is really interesting is that God isn't doing it by connecting us with churches that are really dynamic, on fire, like the best churches around, you know. And, and because if you're the really dynamic, big churches around, those big churches don't struggle to get somebody to come alongside and help them. Everybody wants to help, everybody wants to help those churches. Everybody. But they actually don't need a lot of help. The churches that really need the help are the ones that are just a handful of people or are 30 or 40 people and the guy's ready to give up. Those are the churches that need our help. And yet, guess what? Those are the churches that are just being added to us. And then they come to a prayer meeting and think, oh, God, it's alive. God is alive. Can we take the credit for it? Absolutely not. But our, our job is this is to come and worship Jesus like we've never worshipped him before. And God will do what God wants to do in our midst. And I just need to say, there is an unstoppable nature to the kingdom of heaven. And, and a few weeks ago, you know, I think it was Taryn just came up and shared something about the unstoppable nature of the kingdom. She prayed it in the prayer meeting there, and I said, please, would you come and share it? She said, oh, okay, okay, I'm not worried. God was in it. The unstoppable nature of the kingdom of God. All we have to do is to position ourselves to worship Jesus and catch the wave. Just I want to. Next week, Andy is going to. Andy Cooley is going to look at just exactly what, what it looks like to, to catch the wave. What does it mean to, to be a movement of a church? What does it mean? What, what do you and I have to do? actually, to see something like this happen. And then some people are thinking, well, I'm not really sure. I'm, I'm called to, to plant a church, actually. I think I quite like it here. Great. What you're called to do is worship Jesus. That's it. Yeah, worship Jesus. And, you know, if everybody goes, we're in trouble. <laughs> you know? we, we, we'll be an empty... You know, we, but we need people. But all we're called to do is just come and worship Jesus with all of your heart and soul and mind. Come and love him. And we'll go on a journey. The parables that, that we read at the beginning ignore the dubious ethics, okay, of finding some treasure in a field. They're, they're hiding it 
hiding it, going off, raising some money, buying the field, so, so you can get it. Ignore that a little bit at the moment, okay? But focus on this, that understanding how the kingdom of God works will be the most valuable thing that you can ever, ever understand in your life. And give yourself to it. Give yourself to worshipping him above all else. The other thing, so as well as valuing what the Lord is doing, I just want to encourage, I want to read these verses from uh, Matthew uh, chapter 7. And it says this. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Ask, God says, and if I'm feeling very generous, I'll give you something. It says, seek, and if you're lucky, you'll find something. It says, knock, and if I'm not too busy, I'll open the door for you. It's garbage. <laughs> this is what it truly says. It says, ask, and it'll be given to you. It will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the, one who, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks him for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven good, give, good, give, give good gifts to those who ask him? There's no, there's no football on today. But imagine if you're sitting at home this afternoon and there's a knock on the door. You've been watching television, there's a knock on the door. <clears throat> and you open the door and think, who's that? I don't have any deliveries. It's Jesus. And he says, look, I'm just here right now, but I've come very specifically to say to you this. Anything you prayed for in the last 24 hours, I'm just going to give it to you. Whatever you've asked, I'm going to give it to you. Most of the time, I would be embarrassed because I'd have a lot of parking spaces. I wouldn't have an overdraft and a few other things. <laughs> but perhaps my friend, who I long to see come to know to Jesus, wouldn't be saved, and North London would be exactly the same. And Jesus is saying, no, come on, ask me. And, and, and I think, God is saying, no, and I will get caught up in what I am doing and I will give you what you're asking for. I think sometimes we also need to know what is it that, that really hinders. And all, all I'm, My point of this morning is just to say this. God is, has started something anew in our midst. God has started something anew. And I think we've come out of COVID and God is starting something anew. If you're fearful... If you're thinking, oh, look, oh, I can't do this. Oh, yeah, it's very good, Duncan, you do it. A few other elders, a few keenies, you do it. But it's not for me. Who am I? Hands up if you've ever had an attack of the unworthies. Who am I to do it? I, I, it's, not, it's not for me. It's for somebody else to do it. All I can say is this. If not who, you, then who? <laughs> And if not now, then when is going to be the right time? Who has got the direct access into your group of friends than you? 
God always wants to use somebody. And all we have to say is, God, please use me in whatever capacity. Use me. Use me to bring your kingdom now. You might have felt disappointed. You might have said in the past, yeah, God, I'll really go and do it. You might have stepped out in faith. You said, God, please use me. And you just ended up embarrassed. I thought this morning, how can you counter that? Other than to say, I suspect Jesus was a bit embarrassed on the cross. <laughs> who, who was he? Like this thing. Why was he on the cross? And yet he was caught up in his father's plans. God had greater plans. And if very practically you're thinking, what do I do? I think, let's do this. Find one friend that you want to pray to come to know Jesus. Just find one friend. It's really good. Becca on, at the prayer meeting, Becca said, I think we should all just pray for one friend that we want to know to come to Jesus. We just prayed. Prayed for one friend. And just be aware that sometimes, I, for years and years, I prayed for one friend and then God saved another friend. And I thought, why did you do that? He's just so annoying. <laughs> Pray for him for years and years. And yet, God saved that person. Well, actually, God is just looking for our hearts. Who do we want to see? Like, God, he's looking for hearts that are open to him. Pray for one friend that you really want to come to know Jesus and trust that God is sovereign and he might do what he wants to do. Begin to pray for your, the people in your community. Now, wouldn't it be great if every street in Barnet and Hertfordshire that we're connected with Every street, we just, every week, somebody prayed up, walked up and down that street praying for them, praying for the people in there. Just begin to own something. Own something of God and what he wants to do in our midst. And then the last thing is this. We, we, we don't quite know what the name of this is yet, but at the moment, it has a working title of Fire School. Okay? We don't, we, I can't really think, we can't think of anything else. But in September, we're going to start some... We're going to meet for three Saturday mornings and three Tuesday evenings. And we're going to pray that the fire of God falls and that God uses us. And we're going to do a few things. We're going to learn how to pray together, full of the Holy Spirit. We're going to learn how to read, lead a Bible study so that we can lead a Bible study with any, any friend that we've got. And we're going to learn how to be prophetic and lean into what God is saying. And it will be on the website very shortly. But we would just love it. If you want to be part of something, because God is doing something new in our midst. And he's calling you and I to be engaged with it and see all that God has for us. Can I just ask you to stand with me? If you would like the, the fire of God to fall in your life, open up your heart, open up your minds, so many times God takes the weak and the despised, the inadequate, and he fills them with the, the fire of the Holy Spirit. They get caught up in the plans and purposes. And something new and glorious is birthed. 
So we ask, Holy Spirit, would you come and fall on us again right now? Holy Spirit, we ask you, we, we cry out to you, let your fire fall now. Come on, Lord. Come on, Lord. Even as we're just enjoying the Lord, I feel, you know, that God is going is to put ideas, new things, faith for new things in our lives. Faith for new things that are, that are just right for you, that maybe you've despised over the years, but God is saying, no, it's a new day. God has got something new for you. You're not going to trash the old but it's something that's going to build on a foundation of what God's laid in the past. Your skills, your experiences, who you've been with. What, it's going to be saying, no, this is a new day. It's a fire of God. We say, come fall afresh on us. Fall afresh on us, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.